Welcome to CoinGeek Conversations, and today, all the way from London, I'm going to be talking to Taylor Searle in New York. Hi, Taylor. Hi, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. And uh, you are sitting in a little room behind the scenes at the CoinGeek Conference, day one, and you've been on stage with some partners in the world of gaming to talk about how you're going to be working together in the world of Bitcoin SV, because you are strategic advisor to Built by Gamers. Yep, that's correct. It's been an exciting day. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. Can I start by asking you, what is Built by Gamers exactly? What, what is the business model and what does it consist of? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because Built by Gamers, unlike most of the things that we see at the conference like this, it's actually not a BSV community or a company. It's a traditional esports company that plans to use BSV. You've already puzzled me there because the word traditional and esports don't normally go together. <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. Yeah. How does a traditional esports company operate? Admittedly, esports is is in its infancy. However, there's I mean we have several peers in the industry, and the way that they operate as a business model is to hire and curate content from content creators and professional players, and then distribute that content across whatever platforms towards audiences. And then the revenue generation is usually through uh, integrations with brands. So sponsorships, brand integrations, and that's the revenue. So it's kind of an ecosystem of, you know, have good content creators, high performing teams, good sponsors, good community. And uh, that's, that's how the business model works. Okay, well, let, uh, again, let's just unpick that a little bit. Because when you talk about content creators, we're talking about people who are playing the game and recording the game that they are playing. Is that right? Yeah, that's the traditional content creator. In reality, it's just anything related to gaming that could be considered an influencer. Uh, so, you know, it could be playing the game at a professional level. It also just could be people playing games casually. Uh, there's even content of are more celebrity type players doing just in real life content. The thing that comes to mind is, you know, we had a video on YouTube where our players went to Top Golf and played golf, and that was content. But because we have an audience that likes those players, it becomes uh, distributable content that we can advertise against. Okay, so what does Built by Gamers consist of in terms of staff and content creators that you work with? So off the top of my head, I don't know the number, but let's just say 20 or so content creators and another 15. Well, let's, let's just say between 20 and 30 pro players and content creators and then staff, support staff, back office. Let's say that's another 20 to 30. So it's a, it's a pretty big operation based out of Arizona, but our staff and teams are really worldwide. What does the life of a content creator consist of? I mean, is it a full-time job? And what are they doing on a Monday morning, for instance? So depending on their age, they might still be in high school. Most of our professional players will do high school online because content creation and preparing for games really is a full-time thing, you know, 14 to 16 hours a day. So we provide housing for some of our teams and give them stipends to um, do all of their on-the-go food. Uh, DoorDash and all of that. Speaking DoorDash, if you're watching, you could sponsor us. But uh, 
um, you know, we provide housing and uh, it really is a full-time job. At the level that we're talking, these kids are the most elite, I call them athletes, in the space. So it's, it's very much a full-time thing. Right. So, but the people that you put in a house, are they going to school? Uh, the younger ones go to school online. Oh, okay. Uh, but do, do they move away from their family home in order to take up this work? Some of them do, yeah. Some do live at home still, and then some actually live away from home. Wow. And uh, is there somebody making sure that they are doing enough practicing or not doing too much practicing, perhaps? Yeah. Well, uh, that's, that's where the support staff comes in. There's a whole, like traditional sports, there's a general manager, there's uh, team staff and management that tracks their daily activity and keeps them on task. There's coaches. We have coaching staff, assistant coaches. It's, it's like a traditional sports team with all of those kinds of uh, activities. And some of the games that they play, they're just playing as individuals rather than members of a team, I think. Is that right? Yeah, depending on the game. Uh, it could be an individual or a team game. Uh, and then in some, some games, individuals play with players from other organizations, actually. So it's really a wide array of uh, configurations. And does each person specialize in just one game? Or? Yeah. And once again, we're talking at such an elite level, it, it would be impossible to do more than one game because, I mean, that's like uh, competing in more than one uh, area in the Olympics like being track and field and swimming. It's just you specialize so much in one thing and such an elite level, uh, there's no room for anything else. And so supposing you get, if you're a content creator and you get very, very good at the game, what about the turning yourself into a celebrity side of it? Uh, how do you market yourself as a personality? So that's really where we come in as an organization and as a team. And ultimately, when you're focusing on video games that exclusively, the last thing you want to do is be answering emails about endorsements and sponsorship integrations. So that's, we, we act as an intermediary that really handles the celebrity part of it, all the content creation, all of the uh, working with sponsors and that management layer between. And so they really just focus on their gameplay. And then also each of them individually is building their personal brand with their own kind of Twitch stream and whatnot. But in terms of the management and the sponsor, you know, interactions, we, we handle all that. And how do people get selected to be employed by you? Is there a very organized process for that? Yeah, I mean, we have scouts that are out in the market, uh, working with potential players. Some of our teams actually have an, an academy, like an amateur level. And we have plans actually you know, this, this whole, I, once again, this is in its infancy. So there's a lot of stuff still coming where we're going to be working with even down to the local high school level to create clinics and invitationals and tournaments. And we're working with universities to create kind of funnels for talent. And that goes for playing. Also, there's several universities that are now coming out with esports programs and degree programs uh, that we, from which we can get management and staff. Like I said in my in my uh, CoinGeek keynote, uh, this is a sneaky big industry. That's, it's, it's fascinating how big it's getting and no one's really paying attention to it. And, you know, we're trying to get out in front of that. Well, I saw that your Instagram uh, account has 100,000 followers, but I guess maybe that's even the tip of the iceberg, is it? 
Yeah, I mean, when you look at our influencers, so that's the the organization account, but all of our influencers each, I mean, we're the smallest uh, fish in that pond in terms of the people that we employ. I, I mean, I think our average Twitter followings, 100 to 300,000 um, in that range for every one of our players. I mean, we've got people on uh, TikTok that have millions and across all the social media, it's, uh, it's quite a wide reach across us and our, our influencers. How many players do you actually have on the books at the moment then? In organized games, let's say it's 15. In content creators, let's say it's another 10. I mean, our, our website has the latest list. Uh, I, I don't keep track day to day. I know most of them, but I'd have to count it up in my head. When people are selected, how much of your choice is based on their personality and what you think they're going to do in terms of selling merchandise or getting a social media following as opposed to just their skill at the game? So that goes into the underwriting process that we have. And that's why I keep on mentioning that there's content creators and pro players because there's some people that might excel in one area, not the other, that might have a huge social following and can be effective uh, influencers, and there's others that might be incredible game players. Ultimately, we're looking for unicorns. That obviously it would be best if people are both of those. Uh, but ultimately, our secret sauce really comes into we recruit people based on their uh, how well they jive with our culture, uh, what I call the gamer ethos. Are they people that, regardless of how big they're following or how good they are at the game right now? are dedicated purely to just improving all the time and representing this uh, gamer ethos. And that's, that's kind of our, uh, among the landscape of professional esports organizations, we want to establish ourselves as the ones that are most professional, most gamer-oriented in terms of always trying to uh, get better. And a lot of other organizations uh, might, you know, their ethos might be around partying or uh, looking cool, Ours is more about uh, how to be the best at our craft. Let's change gear a little bit because you are at the CoinGeek conference in New York. How does Bitcoin SV in particular come into this very interesting business? So of all of the blockchains out there, I think it's the, the BSV community really stands apart as the most professional, as the most uh, in this for progression. And I, I mentioned that of you know, the focus on scarcity versus abundance. I think it's a stark contrast. Every other project out there is about a speculation, about getting uh, scarce collectibles. And that's cool, but there's so much more to offer with this technology than creating rare things. It's how, how can we harness the power of gamification? So the BSV blockchain is the only one that that's even possible on. We, we get approached daily by blockchain projects on other blockchains that are asking us to do campaigns with them, but they're all about collectibles. When we are really focused on this gamer ethos, our goal is to create gamification of the fan experience. It's only possible on BSV. So it's, there really isn't a competition there in terms of how it excels and how it's going to help us unlock the future. And did you go out looking for a solution 
that BSV provides or how did, how did that connection happen? So I personally have, and the reason I'm the strategic advisor here is because I've known about BSV from the beginning. And so it wasn't so much the organization finding it, it was me illustrating to the rest of the organization the power of BSV and uh, them recognizing it. So the, it happened when I showed Handcash to our CMO, uh, the light bulb went off in his mind of how this uh, scales and how, it, how it's so easy to use. And so it, it's not that we went out looking, but it was more when we saw it, we recognized and the rest of the organization recognized immediately, like this is the strategic advantage that could propel us above our competition. And when you were talking to your colleagues about this possible involvement with BSV, if you were talking to a skeptical colleague, was there some particular kind of vivid example that you would give that would help them understand why you were excited about it? What, what's the simplest thing you could say that you couldn't have otherwise done that you thought would be great? You know, the, the examples that you're asking for, uh, I could think of a few, but I think the actual power, the, the, the thing that made it click that turned the skeptics was when they met the other people in the ecosystem. When I introduced them to the Nifty Jigs and the Handcash people, and they met those teams, that was really actually the differentiating moment where they realized that oh, this is a different animal. Mm -hmm. This is a completely different community. So that's what turned the skeptics immediately. And there, there are even some partners we have that are building uh, platforms where they are exploring blockchain technology that I've introduced them to the Handcash and the Nifty Jigs guys. And they also saw, oh, we need to incorporate their technology. Not, it was almost more than the technology, it was the people involved with it. So that, that's what just came to mind with your question is how, how powerful the community is. Are you going to be telling the people that you have access to through social media and through your work that the first thing they need to do is go and download a Handcash wallet? That starting now will become our main focus. So, I mean, I'm wearing this BBG jersey right now. Don't be surprised if there's a big hand cash logo on it. And the house that I told you about that has the teams in it, don't be surprised if the content doesn't start having hand cash compound written on the wall. Because our goal is that even to buy merchandise or to go to our website, you need to get a hand cash wallet because that's the way that we will interact with you. So just imagine a world where you as a fan of BBG are earning fan points. So enter Nifty Jigs and imagine uh, you are leveling up as a fan by getting these you know, badges and NFTs. And this all revolves around the hand cash adoption. So our pretty much any partner we have will have to integrate with hand cash and Nifty Jig for us to do this uh, big strategy. So, I mean, it's going to be integrated so deeply that in order to really be a fan, you're going to have to have a handcash wallet. There's been a lot of discussion in the BSV world about onboarding people to wallets. And that once, you know, the, the general thought is, if only we could get people to have access to this stuff, 
they would use it and they would like it, but getting them in the, through the front door in the first place is quite a problem. But you don't see that as being an obstacle then. If somebody is looking at your content, they may think, oh, well, that's all very well. I enjoy that, but I really can't be bothered with this hand cash thing because it's quite complicated and I don't think I'll do it. That's not an issue as far as you're, you expect. So imagine real quick a pie chart of the entire population of the earth and tell me which sliver of people are the most receptive to new technology and adopting new things, gamers. So I'm not, I'm not worried about it. So that's, I mean, that's the allure of hand cash is how simple their, uh, their process is and uh, the things we're building with them and they're working with us directly on how to make that process seamless to where someone will come to our website through this adoption funnel and they'll sign up for hand cash, nifty jigs, haste arcade all at once. And then we will use this technology to pretty much become a middleman to almost every fan interaction. I mean, it's, it's going to be really cool. If this all goes the way you expect, how is it going to change gaming, do you think? So if you think about gaming, go back to the real basic model. It's influencing communities and providing them a fan experience entertainment and a fan experience and unique access and unique experiences. The tools that exist right now to do that are limited and BSV's blockchain and the things we're going to do are things that don't even exist yet. They're capabilities in the fan building experience business that don't exist yet. So uh, just to opine on that a second, if you think about traditional sports at least here in America, there's been a decline over the last five years in attendance of sports and engagement in sports. The thing that saved the NFL was fantasy sports. It's the gamification of the fan experience. And then if you think about new stadiums being built right now, if you see any new stadium, it's way more than just seats. It's all about experience, unique experiences, sports books being in them, uh, nice luxury lounges. It's all about experience and gamification. Well, esports we're going to be able to do that same kind of thing. Gamify the fan experience, create unique experiences, the intersection of like the live and the virtual. Uh, it's all things that can't be done right now that this unlocks. So I think it's going to be game changing. The things that we're doing, if we're being aspirational, I think it's going to change sports, period. I think this technology and some of the partners we have, when they see us doing it in this arena, I could see you're going to be sitting watching a basketball game in the United States and Pancash or Nifty Jigs or Haste or some other platform is going to be on people's phones in the stadium interacting with what's going on. What about the regulatory side of you know, money becoming part of this experience? Is that going to be a problem? There are all sorts of rules around gambling and so on. Is that a limitation? Yes, for sure. And uh, we've got some advisors that are helping us with that. And this really is kind of a gray area in a lot of ways. And I think that's a risk that we're all taking on in this industry is kind of we're pioneering an area that doesn't really have a lot of great uh, precedents and, and regulations around it. So obviously we can't start, you know, an esports betting site. Uh, but I think uh, the wagers and the payments and there's things that we can do to start this ball rolling. But ultimately, you know, regulatory compliance and all the disparate frameworks, that's, that's one huge challenge and risk to all of this. But let's push forward. 
Brilliant. Well, Taylor, thank you so much. It's a really exciting story and I hope we can follow it in the, the months and the years ahead. Yeah, let's push the gaming to the future and make this happen. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. Thank you. Thanks very much to Taylor Searle of Built by Gamers. Well, next week is really the next chapter in the same story, because I'll be talking to Brandon Bryant of Handcash. As we've just heard, Handcash, the BSV wallet, can look forward to a big boost because, as Brandon puts it, Built by Gamers has a huge fire hose of users and attention, and they're going to point that at Handcash. So please join me next week to find out what that's going to mean, but I won't be spoiling it by telling you that it's good news for Handcash. Thanks for listening, and until next week, goodbye.